What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. And we finally did it. We've been talking about it for weeks. We beat Persona 3. We finally fucking finished <laughs> Persona 3 after... How many months was this? I feel like we started this in March because I flew... I visited my parents in March, mm -hmm. and while I was there, I asked my brother for his PS2. Oh, and wow, then I yeah. came back up with it, and I think that's when we started. So it would like, have been shortly March, afterwards, yeah, early April. And then we finished both, each of us, about a couple weeks ago. So I would say two and a half months. Yeah, this is a long game. This is this a is long, a fucking long game. game. Although, so let me just tally in your hours. I came in at 94 hours. Wow. Holy shit. I played Persona 3. FES. Mm -hmm. okay. Um you played a different version and have a I different did. hour count. I did. And that was one of like the guiding things we wanted to do with this. And we we set out on this journey long before the announcement that Persona 3 Portable, the version that I played, is coming to the Switch and the PS the PlayStation and the Xbox and all these other consoles. So I thought it would be a fun experiment in a game that both of us have a lot of history with this series. Some of us even have history with this game to kind of experience both sides of it. So I played Persona 3 Portable, and I clocked in around 70 hours. Did you play on normal difficulty? Yes. Okay. Did you also play on normal difficulty? Yes. Okay. Was there an easier option than normal? Yeah, there's an easy okay. mode and a hard mode on FES. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I think there was a hard mode on Portable, too. but Hard mode is... is very very difficult i watched my brother play through that and like he almost gave up a couple times so that's when i was like red flag doing normal because my brother is like a pretty hardcore smt person so for him to almost mm -hmm. rage quit over persona 3's hard mode i was like that oh, is God. too hard for me yeah so i guess let's we should probably start at like the bottom here and not assume that people have been listening to us like drop little bits about this game for weeks on months on end like months on end Talk, since I think you're the person who it was introduced to this series before me, talk a little bit about, like, what this game is, where it falls in the chronology of this enormous series it's a part of, and how it's connected to more popular games like Persona 5 that people might have played already. Yeah, so Shimigami Tensei Persona 3, is, I thought it's what it was originally called, um, came out in 2006 for the PS2. They re-released it for the PS2 with a fuller version with an epilogue called Persona 3 FES, or FES, which is the version that I have, which came out like in 08 or something. Do we know why it's called FES? Like why it's festival, called Festival, like the summer festival oh. in Japan. Oh, okay, cool. So I guess Learned it is pronounced FES, but I've always pronounced it FES. Yeah, I have too. That makes so much more sense. So basically, this is a long, this is an entry in a very long line franchise that are turn-based JRPGs. Shibigami Tensei, where you use demons and confuse demons to fight monsters and save the world. And you reckon with a lot of heavy themes. A lot of young. Yeah, quite young. No, like young, like J, like J U N G, but also Y O U N G. Yeah, young, like Jungian psychology. Yeah, here young, too. like Jungian. Shadows, Persona, the inner self. Yeah. And the other thing I tell people, I was actually pers recommending Persona Gaming to a colleague today who isn't really into mm -hmm. gaming. And the thing I told them, and people might not like how this sounds, 
but I said it is Pokemon with adult themes. Yes. That is the yeah. combat system. So I love these games. I have been playing them since I was about 14. Persona 3 was the one that I never beat because I found it to be too hard. So hmm. it was like a pleasure to come back to them as an adult and be like, I am beating this game. And so the way this game starts out, you are a silent protagonist. In my version, you are a boy, although in Noah's yes. version, you can choose to be a girl if you want. And of um, course I chose to be the girl because... Yeah, we wanted I like used, to maximize yeah. the amount of diversity Absolutely. in his gaming experience versus mine. So Plus, in all fairness, the, I do yeah. usually pick the girl when I have an option in games. Oh, like, do you? That's interesting. I mean, I usually pick a girl, too. Yeah. There's usually better customization options with girls, you know? I think that's changing nowadays, but, like, back in the day, it was, like, the boys usually had way worse clothing options. Or, like, I was going to Pokemon, the girl design was almost always, like, cooler looking, so. Yeah. So we, we tried to cover all of our bases with this game. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the way this game starts is you are a silent protagonist 10 years before the events of the game. The game takes place in 2009, so the events of 10 years ago are in 1999. <laughs> the, the halcyon days of 2009. Yeah. Your parents get into a car accident, you are in the car, you are the only survivor, and someone rescues you out of the, that situation. Uh, and then 10 years later, you are sent to high school, you go to a boarding school with a in a dorm in this high school as the new kid. You're a junior. You enter this dorm. It's full of kids. There's a few kids who live there in this dorm, and that's it. Like, it's not a full dorm. It's a few kids who are, like, already in this tight-knit club, and you're like, okay, whatever. And then you go to bed, you wake up in the middle of the night, it seems like someone is breaking into the dorm, or someone's attacking the dorm. You are told to go to the rooftop. There is a giant monster attacking one of your dorm mates. And instinctually, you pull out an evoker, which is a gun-shaped object, and pull its trigger at your head, mimicking shooting yourself. And this thing comes out of you called a persona. And that is, like, the manifestation of your inner self. Uh, and you use it to defeat your this shadow monster. Your persona's name is Orpheus. Yeah, um, the, the manifestations of your inner self always just kind of happen to be, like, mythological creatures, mythological gods... Orpheus in this example like it, it just kind of so happens that that's the case not to be confused with Morbius not to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which might true. still be, be in theaters which might still be a meme I don't know if people are still making Morbius <laughs> jokes maybe maybe you're listening to this uh two years after 2022 and that's a relic of bygone era <laughs> <laughs> oh god anyway and so that's how this game this game really uh kicks off with a bang and i just don't mean that because you shoot yourself in the head i mean it's actually nice. a real bang <laughs> good joke good joke um, yeah so, uh and you were thrust into this crazy world of shadows using your persona you soon realize that all the other kids in your dorm use a persona and they are part of this club called cease s-e-e-s -E -E basically it is a special educate like extracurricular unit that is made to defeat shadows they have a club and your yeah. poetry teacher uh, is, like, the faculty supervisor of this club. This, and like, greasy-looking, long-haired fuck of a Is it weird that when like... I played this game in Solikutsky, I was like, why does this look like Noah 20 years from now? Stop! I hate that! Stop! <laughs> I'm sorry, he kind of did it. So you're part of this, like, shadow execution club, and 
basically you discover, this is the major part of the plot that I almost forgot, is that at night, when it becomes midnight, time stops and there is this hour in between midnight and like 1am called the dark hour and like the world stops, people turn into coffins and shadows come out and attack anyone who hasn't turned into a coffin. And if you haven't turned into a coffin, you have the potential to have a persona and to use a persona. Which is what happens to you when you're, like, woken up in the middle of the night over someone breaking into the dorm. Like, that's during the dark hour, and those were shadows attacking your dorm. I think it's very apt that in explaining the plot of this game, you forgot one of the main thrusts of the plot. (laughs) Because this is a game, and I really liked this game. I liked this game a lot, but I need to critique it. And this is a game where things happen. For large swaths of it, things don't happen. The, the way this is structured then, every single night you have the opportunity, the dark hour happens, you can go into a, a many-floored dungeon to traverse it. And unlike other entries in this series, and even a lot of other JRPGs of this type, there are, there are not multiple dungeons. You're not going into different places. You're going into one single dungeon, Tartarus, which mysteriously opens up in, in and out of your high school at night. So when the dark hour ticks, there's a really loud noise, and this huge, enormously tall dungeon appears where your high school is. So you are traversing Tartarus, and you are told by characters in the game that the way to stop the dark hour from happening, the way to defeat these shadows, is by getting to the top of Tartarus. And every single month on the full moon, there is, what, what is it? Is it on the full moon, the shadows are like at their most powerful or something yeah. like that, right? And sometimes yeah. the especially powerful shadow will emerge. Yeah. For large swaths of this game, though, in between those full moons, you're kind of just like puttering around. You could almost forget that this is a game where like you are trying to defeat enormous shadow beings that are threatening the fate of the world. Because a lot of this game is you going to high school, answering trivia questions while you're in high school, and then deciding which of your friends you want to hang out with after school. Yeah, and if you want to date any girls. <laughs> exactly. Or in, in Noah's case, boys. In, in my case, boys. Yeah, that is, that is a hallmark of this series. The, the Persona series, at least three onward, because three kind of marks a sea change. You'll, you'll notice if you look online, ever since three came out, there has been pretty much a new entry, be it a mainline entry or a spin-off entry, in this series every year. Whereas between Persona 2, which was actually split into two games on the PlayStation 1, between its second part and Persona 3, there's like a six-year gap. So this game, this game going onward sets a precedent, sets a theme, sets a lot of stuff going forward for 4 and for 5. So if you've played Persona 5 or you've played Persona 4, both both of which are, I would probably say, more popular, especially in 5's case. Like, I know 5 really yeah. caught on. This game is not dissimilar from those. It's a very similar setup in terms of the way you're interacting with the world, where you have, you're going through the day, you have a calendar, you have specific dates on that calendar that you're looking forward to, and you're trying to maximize the time you have while you're on there. And that's why I think this game is such an interesting one, because it's midway through a series, but it 
does serve as like a pretty good jumping on point. Was this the first Persona game that you played? No, Persona 4 was the first Persona game that I played. But I played this one very soon after, but just kind of ran out of steam. I honestly think the reason I quit playing this the first time I tried, not just because it was particularly hard, although the boss I was stuck on was hard. I remember it. It was the sexy dancers. Fuck them. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. We hate them so much. Um, It was also because I had just played... Um, Persona 4, and that was the longest game I'd ever played in my entire life mm-hmm. before then. I clocked in around 87 hours, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and I I did not know, I, mean, I was 14 years old, and you don't know yourself very well when you're 14, and I didn't know that, like, you should take breaks between games like these, or else you'll get burnt <laughs> out. <laughs> you can't just play back-to-back 90-hour JRPGs. Play, yeah. yeah, you can't. Although I did do that earlier this year, so clearly I have not learned my lesson. I did play mm-hmm. Shimagami Tensei 5, Elden Ring, and this game consecutively and at one point simultaneously and i do not yeah. recommend that behavior <laughs> so I, that's interesting because i actually had the exact same experience with this series i i picked up four i don't remember how i heard about four or maybe it was recommended to me by somebody at like a used game store or i used to i used to spend a lot of time on like the game facts forums and like googling like what are what are the good big JRPGs? And the Shin Megami Tensei series was one that like I had never interacted with, and I heard that Persona Four was good, so I went and picked it up on a whim, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And right after I finished it, I was like, okay, I need more of this. Like very similar to you, like I I immediately yeah. jumped into Persona Three. But one thing that I I don't think I stopped playing because I got stuck on a boss. I just kind of lost steam. And I think I partially lost steam because aesthetically, four and three do not have a lot overlapping. No. Four has four has this very bombastic J-pop feel. It's very bright. I mean, the the main colors that are used for these games, I uh I go back to the the Super Smash Brothers stage that they came out with for Joker. You remember this? It's yeah. like when it plays the music for each of those games, it's blue for Persona 3, it's yellow for Persona 4, and it's red for Persona 5. And I think yellow, that bright yellow, the exciting upbeat J-pop, the like brightly colored characters, like that's what I think of when I think of 4. And then I move to 3, which is like this dour, incredibly dreary rumination on like what it means to be alive. And like the opening cutscene you see when you turn this game on is, like, one of the main characters, Yukari, holding a pistol to her head and, like, struggling to pull the trigger. And you're like, what the fuck did I just put in my PS2? (laughs) And not to mention, on the text, you see Mm -hmm. the phrase Memento Mori, remember that you will die, written repeatedly in different languages appearing on the screen. So from the minute you boot up your PlayStation or your PSP or whatever, or very soon your Switch or your PS4 or your PC... Um, you will see this, and it's really disconcerting, because at least for us, we came from the world of, like, Persona 4, where there's, like, literally, like, like a happy, horny teddy bear, and, like, pop music, and just, like, very upbeat and happy, and then you get to this, like, extremely, like you said, dour, existential game, Mm -hmm. where, like, the, the act or like the uh i guess like acting or metaphorical act of 
committing suicide is done repeatedly to initiate battle. Constantly, yeah. Constantly. That's something that people who who jump into this game only familiar with Persona 5 or only familiar with stuff like Pokemon. Like, uh, the Shin Megami Tensei fans would go absolutely apeshit if you told them to their face that Persona is just Pokemon but more adult. But that... I would say that that's functionally a good short. Yeah, this is not something this. I would say amongst gamers. <laughs> this is something I was tell I was saying to someone who like hasn't really been a proper gamer since they mm-hmm. were a teenager twenty years ago. Yeah, and we're like, oh yeah, my wife got the Switch to play Animal Crossing in quarantine. Mm-hmm. I miss what it felt like to be a gamer. Yeah, like basically a normie. <laughs> my my thought is. There, there's so many different levels of people to recommend this game to. There's people who are unfamiliar with the series entirely. There's people who are unfamiliar with JRPGs. There's people who've only played five or only played four. I think you might be caught off guard by the way the characters are portrayed in this game. And I know yeah. we're a little limited on how we can talk about some of that before we get into our spoiler time, which we will like very clearly demarcate for people who want to play this game spoiler-free. In in Persona Five, the characters are all so cool. They're all like almost too cool for their own good. It's kind of like, you know, the the meme where it's like the classroom full of kids, and you can pick out who the anime protagonist is because they're the one with the bright hair. Like, and they're like ripped, or they have a yeah. crazy scar in their face, and you're like, that man is thirty years old. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody in Persona Five is that character. Yeah. The Persona Three characters are depressed teenagers who do not know what they're doing and i found that i think initially when i tried to play this game years and years ago that was a bit of a turnoff for me because four is almost similar to five in that regard it's not quite that bad but i think the the character personalities are such big personalities in four that when i turned on three i was like i don't care about junpei i don't care about just like this random dude who's just wearing a ball cap and is kind of horny. Like, they are they are just teenagers. But taking that to its terminus, I think they are incredibly compelling, well-realized teenagers. Yeah, I think they are. And I think the kids of Persona 3 are the most realistic, Yeah, I would say. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I would say, like, Fuka is such an accurate depiction of what it's like to be a teenage girl who is like mm-hmm. I hate to use the phrase like hashtag not like other girls mm-hmm. but Fuka is such almost like such a good encapsulation of how I felt when I was 16 mm-hmm. how she would like hide certain interests if they weren't deemed feminine enough yeah how like weird she is when you try to date her I dated her yeah. in this game and she was okay, real weird she was like Set, like I think she called me. I don't know if she called me senpai. But she called me like my name, some. Mm-hmm. And like, can I hug you? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, like that would have been me, you know. And the the hiding the interesting. She like keeps her one of her hobbies is like robotics. Essentially, this mm-hmm. comes in handy in later entries in the game, and it's definitely a big part of who she is. Mm-hmm. But she like hides the stuff under her bed and like doesn't lead with it. When you do her uh, your social link with her, it's really not until later on where you gain close to dating her, where she tells you she has this interest yeah. in in basically mechanical engineering. Um, 
And I felt that way as a teenager, not with mechanical engineering, because I'm an idiot, but I felt this way with video games. Okay, yeah. Um, I did not, like, I barely told, I barely talked to people about video games. I only talked mm-hmm. to them about it if they told me they played them first. Yeah. I never led with it. Any boy I was into, I really didn't talk to them about it. Unless I knew they liked it, then I would try to talk to them about it to, like, get them into me. But, like, if there was a guy I thought was cute and he, like, played basketball, like, I am not telling him about Persona 4. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's just not what I'm leading with. Um, and that's kind of how I felt. Like, I remember making a joke to a friend in high school who knew I played games and they were like, oh, like, what's, like, do you tell, like, people you date that you're into games? And I, first of all, I never really dated anyone. But second of all, I made some really weird, I made some stupid joke that was like, I think I wouldn't tell someone I played video games until like after the third date. Like, <laughs> you know? After the fourth level of your social link. Basically. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's like at least second base, you know? Like, at yeah. least. And, um, yeah, I think Fuka just really encapsulates that. She has a bad haircut. I And here's mm-hmm. the funny thing about Fuka. I had that haircut. Not blue, but... Like those, yeah. those bangs. I had that, um, and so yeah. It's just she's just you don't have like I guess the closest character to Fuka would be uh, Futaba in Persona Five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But with that. Futaba I think is different because Futaba is like a weird, insecure teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the result of trauma mostly. Yeah, she's also younger. Futaba is like a middle schooler, and like I think that's different because she's like. She's just grubby, you know, like a, she's like a grubby thirteen-year-old girl, and that's yeah. fine. But Fuka is like sixteen, seventeen, and is like insecure in a different type of way. Like Futaba is not fretting over boys not liking her. Yeah, Futaba is fretting over her mom being dead. Yeah, so that's different. And also, Futaba doesn't was not shy about her interests and in what she does. Like she's very much like I'm a gamer. Yeah, <laughs> like. Well, I think you're you're hitting on one of like the main hallmarks of both this game and both this series at large, which is this is and a lot of people use the term pejoratively, but this is kind of a dating sim. And it's it's a dating sim in that it's a visual novel, basically, where you are having long conversations with people and that long conversation is checking off a box that says you are now level three friends with this person. That's one of the the selling points for this series is the fact that not only are you going to see these cool looking anime characters, but you're going to have the opportunity to really learn what makes them tick and if they are the correct corresponding gender to the main characters, potentially even date them. And that's why it's it's kind of funny that it's it's so hard to talk about this game in a vacuum, separate from Persona 4 and Persona 5, both because of our own experiences with the game, but just because of how how the later games iterate on these ideas. But but I think yeah. your your love for Fuka is a really good example of what makes what makes this game shine. Yeah, and another thing that is super important to know about the dating sim part of this game or the system that is called Social Links is that Persona 3 was the first game in this series to introduce social links. If you were to play Persona 1 or 2, um, or any of the Shin Megami Tensei games, they don't have that mechanic. Yeah, Persona 3 introduces that. Yeah. And that is built upon in Persona 5 in a way that I adore. In Persona 5, so let me just back this up. In Persona 3, 
you can max out your social link with the person if they are the same gender as you. You are just like really tight buds and they might give you a gift. Usually when you max out a social link, they give you a memento, like a picture or a sweater or some sort of thing that represents them mm-hmm. to you. Um, and that's it, pretty much. The only thing you can get is like you can fuse the most powerful persona of their arcana. So, for example, if you do the magician link, who yeah. I believe is your friend from homeroom who wants to date your homeroom teacher uh, or oh, English yeah. teacher, which is really fucking weird. Anyway, uh, you can fuse this really great persona named Cert, who I used to defeat the final boss. I actually recommend Cert, um, even though that social link sucks ass. And if it's a girl or like your opposite gender, when you max out the social link or when you get close to it, like level 9 out of 10, you start seeing these bubbles of text come up that say, like, Yuko really likes you, or Yukari or Fuka really likes you. She might be upset if you talk to other girls. And that is their way of saying, you're kind of exclusive with this girl now. Um, I don't know if that was the case for you in Persona Portable and and male characters, but Mm -hmm. it does this for you as if you play as a boy in the PS2 version, mm-hmm. it very strongly hints, like, she's feeling attracted to you. She might be upset if she sees you hanging out with another girl. Oh, wow. Um, things like that. And then it really tries to get you to basically uh, finalize the bond with the girl by, it pulls up a box of options and it says, do you want to give Huka or whoever a gift? You can say yes or no. If you hit yes, it opens up another option. It's like, here are the categories of gifts you can give her. And it's like flowers, antiques, toys, other. And if you click on each of those options, flowers, it'll show you if you have any flowers in your inventory. If it doesn't, it's like, hmm, you don't have this type of gift. Um, and so one of the things about dating a girl in Persona 3 is it's not necessarily required. But you, can, you can speed up finishing a social link if you give her the right gift. And you have to figure that out. I mean, you could use Google like anyone else, but I actually liked figuring it out, which resulted in me in giving girls gifts that they were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, like, I gave Yuko, who is, like, the manager of your basketball team, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first girl I dated. I actually did date two girls, but I dated them, like, six months apart, and I guess that was enough time for it to not, like, get weird. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> suffer any weird consequences from that. Yuko, mm-hmm. like, forgot about me, and that was fine. Yeah, I would just give Yuko, like, a googly eye doll, and she was like, oh, thanks. And it's like, I'll give you a caption that's like, your bond could get stronger soon, and that's their way of being like, you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then eventually, whether or not you give the girl a gift, you just keep hanging out with her, there'll be some scene where you, like, walk her home, and she takes you to her room. Um, nothing, like, sexual happens, but you'll just be, like, sitting on her bed, and she'll be like... Have you ever thought about having children? You have some like weird conversation, and she's like, "If I had kids, I want them to look like you." Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like some weird shit like that. And then, and then the screen goes black. Like, yeah, and you're yeah. just gotta fill in your own thing. And then it'll be like, "Do you want to give her a hug? Yes or no, or whatever." If you give her a hug, then like the screen might go black, or then your social link will be maxed out. That's how social links work in this game. Mm-hmm. On the dating side and on the platonic side. Like, for example, one of the social links I maxed out was an elderly couple mm-hmm. who just, like, viewed me as their son. I maxed out their link and they were like, thank you so much for being there for us. Right? And they, like, love you in a very, like, familial, like, endearing way. Yeah. In Persona 5, 
But this dynamic is exactly the same, like copy and paste from Persona 3, but they added more to it. And one of the cool things they add to it is that there are certain social links that affect you in battle. Um, so if you max out your social link with anyone in your party, so like let's say you max out that link with Futaba or Ryuji or whatever, they acquire like a more leveled up persona mm -hmm. or they have a new ability or something like that. Like so for example, Futaba is one of the most valuable social links you can max out in Persona 5 yeah. because she does like these almost god move type of powers where she's like one time she can revive all of you or like just crazy things like that that can really shift the dynamics of a game or of a particular battle and she was really invaluable to have in the late stages of the game. So that is how that system works. It is a really big part of this game. And it mm -hmm. also determines, like, what kind of demons or, well, in this game, in this series, personas you can use. Um, because if you, didn't, if you didn't max out that kid who had a crush on your teacher, who has the magician link, if you didn't go all the way max out with his link, you can't get cert. And then you could use cert to, with another persona to use an even more powerful persona. And so it kind of, uh, what links you choose to max out and not max out in the end really catches up to the types of personas you can fuse to defeat the final boss yeah. that can be really consequential yeah um and i do think you have to play your cards correctly i don't know how you handled this but like when before pursuing a particular link i would look up like what is this person's arcana like huh. what is the what is the end game persona because i didn't want to like dump time into someone that their arcana is like oh this is trash Mm -hmm. Um, like, what does that end game persona look like for them? Oh, that looks yeah. cool. Okay, I'll try out hanging out with this person. I had a very different experience with the way I approached the Arcanas, which was that I did not, I did not look up who was what. I did not look up what benefits I could get. I really didn't even realize until I made it to pretty close to the very end of the game how many of these personas I like. I was googling social links I had completed to see what personas they conferred me, because I was not paying attention to that at the time. But I think this is a good segue into the fact that Persona 3 Portable and Persona 3 FES are both considered, to some degree, quote-unquote, definitive versions of the game. I think FES is definitely considered, like, the most definitive version, but Portable has a lot of stuff that FES doesn't have still, and it's the version that's coming to consoles. now. Like you said, Portable gives you the ability to play as a girl. Like you said, it's just the ability. You can still play as a guy, and that will get you all the main stuff. But I think one thing I... One of the reasons I bounced off this game when I initially tried to play it years and years ago is that I, for, the, for a large swath at the beginning of the game, the only people you have to interact are incredibly unlikable, horny teenage boys. And I just, oh, God. I bounced off the game so hard when I first tried playing. Because I, I first tried playing FES because that was the version that was available on the PlayStation 3 store. So I bought that one. So I still own that one. I just played Portable instead. But 
I'm curious what your experience was with that because I really bounced off the game the first time because I found them to be so unlikable. Like Kenji, you mentioned the guy who just wants to fuck his teacher. Whereas Portable gives you so many more options as far as people to have social links with. And especially as a girl, the nature yeah. of those links changes. Like Kenji mm -hmm. is different. If you Kenji, play as a Kenji girl. is not an option to play to social link in my game. Kenji is a oh, wow. character. There, the the social link that so the magician in my game is not Kenji it's Junpei because I learned very deep into my playthrough that you weren't able to have social link relationships with the male characters in your party right no in my version I cannot have social link relationships yeah. with the male in my party I did not I could I was able to have social link relationships with both the male and female members of my party and so the magician was junpei kenji was not a social link character but kenji's equivalent which is like an early game person who is not a part of your party was a girl named rio who was on the volleyball team and i want to say she would have been on the swim team too had i chosen the swim team but she was on the volleyball team in my game and rio is a She's a very single-minded teenage girl who is on the volleyball team and is so focused on volleyball that it has alienated her from a lot of the people around her. So her entire social link is about remembering that it's important to have a balance in all things. And I, slight spoilers for this one social link, you realize that she has a crush on Kenji and she doesn't think Kenji will be interested in her because Kenji just wants to fuck MILFs. But she realizes that if she asks, she asks Kenji out and the two of them start dating. And so I found that as an early game social link infinitely more compelling than spending hours on hours of the only people I have to interact with are uh, this one kid <laughs> who really wants to fuck his teacher and then like nobody yeah. else. Yeah, that is. So for the first, I swear, I think like for the first, like, month or two of this game it's fucking I, abysmal it was literally just me and my boy Kenji and he was like let's go to the ramen shop and we go to the ramen shop and he's like I really want to hit it and I was like okay eats noodles and that's literally how it was and then he actually does end up dating the teacher that's and it's so really fucked fucking up. weird it's so fucked up and turns out she's like actually engaged to someone like a grown man her age Whoa. And so basically after things come out about her inappropriate relationship with Kenji, she is like told to leave and she like leaves. She like goes to another school in a different part of Japan with her fiance and like marries him. And oh, Kenji good. is like heartbroken and crying about it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'll never love again. And you're like trying to comfort him the whole time in this relationship. Like during Kenji's whole social link, you cannot convince him to not date the teacher because if you try to be like, this isn't right, your social link with him will not progress. It will straight up, like, regress. Like, oh you have God. to be not just complicit, but an enabler in order to be friends with Kenji, and I fucking hated it. But his endgame persona really slaps. So what can I say? Hmm. I have no morals. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm not, it's not that I have no morals. But I do believe the ends justify the means and having a kick-ass persona to save the world <laughs> at the expense of, like, one weird horny teenager. Yeah. The math works out for me. Mm -hmm. But it was not pleasurable. 
there is a similar storyline in Persona 5, too, isn't there? Like, the one guy who wants to fuck his teacher. This is, like, an uncomfortable through line throughout these games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the thing. Yeah. And, like, you have, like, I want to fuck my teacher as a very prominent storyline or option. Or yeah. just, like, a joke uh, ha, 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 discussed great in this joke. game. <laughs> great but joke. then, like, you can't be gay. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, what? The only time homosexuality or anything outside of cisgender heterosexuality is even remotely portrayed it is predatory and it is for comedic relief which is a is a big issue that this series struggles with it's not just persona 3 this story the 3 4 and 5 all struggle with this and i would say for the most sometimes for probably the most yeah characters yeah I, I hate to be like that, but I do think moments like that are are definitely a blight on the series. I and similarly, I did you have the opportunity to change your character's outfits when you're in dungeons? No. Okay, that's a feature in Persona Three Portable. The uh, the friendly police officer who sells you things in the mall. Which just put a pin in that. There's a police officer who is aware that the sells Persona stuff weapons. is happening. He sells these teenagers contraband weapons for some like reason. Like guns and don't worry spears. About it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't Officer worry about Kurosawa. Shut he's, up. He's one of the good ones. He's a, <laughs> he's a real one. In Mr. Kurosawa's store in Portable that gives you the opportunity to buy weapons, or not weapons, to buy armor that, based on the name, kind of suggests it's going to change the character's outfits. And so for the guys, that's like butler outfit or summer outfit which basically just changes your character's outfit to what they would be wearing when they're on, like, the summer vacation part of the game. And at a certain point in the game, they have an armor level that is, like, attractive to you. Later on in the game, they no longer have an attractive armor level, and you would be taking, like, a ding in your defense category if you wanted to dress Akihiko up as a butler. For the girls... Most of those outfits are okay. It's like the winter outfit for Mitsuru, or it's the the winter outfit for my character. And there are multiple bikini options for each of the girls. And it doesn't... It's very leering in a way that a lot of the rest of this game is not. I, I watched a really good YouTube video about this game because I was trying to collect my thoughts and listening to podcasts and watching videos about this game. And there was a YouTube video by a, a user by the name of K-Bash talking about Persona 3. He has videos about 3, 4, and 5. And he really took issue as well with the way this game really goes to lengths to portray its teenage characters as fully formed human beings, as characters with agency, with their own feelings on things, and then turns right back around and is like, want to put Yukari in a bathing suit? Fucking go for it. It doesn't matter. And I... It's very easy to write that stuff off as, like, anime bullshit, but I think it it does take away some from the way the characters are represented in this game. Yeah, that was never even an option for me, so that's mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I will say I enjoyed the story mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, my, I actually don't have any beefs with the story. I love the story. Yeah, me too. I really uh, enjoyed it. The one thing we will caution against with this game in terms of playability, is this game has grind with a capital G. <laughs> like, underlined, bold, italicized, capital yeah. G, grind. And part of that is just the fact that you're in one dungeon, you're in a tower, 
but mm-hmm. it was 263 levels high. It just keeps um, going. <laughs> and it, every month you unlock a new chunk, and you unlock a new chunk, and you unlock a new chunk. And this game takes place over like a calendar year. So you start in spring and you end late winter, early spring of the following year. But by like October, I was like, God damn, is this game over yet? Like some <laughs> major plot still things have going. happened. <laughs> People have died. This tower is really fucking tall now. Yeah. Like, is this game over? And by that point, I was on level 135. Yeah. And I talked to our friend and uh, one-time guest show appearance, uh, Alana, and I was like, I'm on level 135. Am I, like, done with this game yet? And she, like, she just sent me, like, a crying face laughing emoji. And she was <laughs> like, you are, like, maybe past halfway. And I was like, What? Yeah. And yeah, it's it, it's like interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't help that 263 is such an arbitrary number. It's not yeah. it's not 200, it's not 199, it's not 150. 250, it's, yeah. It's 263. <laughs> it's and so like, arbitrary. 10 of those levels you don't even like reach until you like is the final day yeah. of the game and you like fight the final boss. Yeah. Like it's just so weird in that way. And I will say the the combat is really repetitive. Um, this is actually the one I have only one thing I truly hate about this game, and mm-hmm. that's it. And this is nothing that was present in your game. Yeah, I cannot control. I could not control my party members. Mm-hmm. So every battle I played was a true roll of the dice. I mean, I could I could kind of give them what they're called tactics. Mm-hmm. So you can say, Yukari, I only want you healing. Or support skills like buffs or debuffs. Or like, I did this on the final battle because Mitsuru is notorious for having horrible fucking moves and having the worst AI of all time mm-hmm. on FES. But I told Yukari, assault mode, which means just attacks, no ailments like confusion, no buffs or debuffs, no healing, just like, go at them with your magic. So I could try to direct them, mm-hmm. but ultimately, it was just kind of up to luck sometimes um and it was really frustrating yeah there were times where my party members literally just like got me killed um not because i did anything wrong not because i even had low health i would like walk into that battle with full health and sometimes still die because my my party members just made some like dumbass choices they were like Mm -hmm. oh is this a boss that is like immune to all ailment attacks let me let me get that Marin Karen. <laughs> let on. me spam confusion on this guy and see what happens. Yeah, and like sometimes I feel like they're even slow to pick up on elemental weaknesses. Like mm-hmm. even if I even if I got Fuka, uh, who is like Fuka's role is very admin, very much like Futaba's. Her mm-hmm. persona does not attack in your battle. She's the one who like analyzes the enemies and tells you where to go. Yeah. Um, you can get her to analyze enemies, and she can tell you most of the time. She can't tell you this with bosses. But just like regular enemies, she can tell you like, hey, this one's weak to fire. Don't mm-hmm. use lightning on this guy. Um, and so sometimes I would scan the enemies. And my party members, I swear to God, sometimes be like, oh, this guy like absorbs lightning. Gotta get Zio on there. Gotta get that lightning attack on there. I'm like, what the fuck, Akihiko? <laughs> so like, I we had some times like that. And it was that 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 really pissed me off. That's one of so. my theories for why this game took you longer to play than it took me, is that there I definitely had to grind in this game. There was definitely grinding that was happening. But I think 
by and large, I might have had less grinding and less time sunk into fighting random dudes because I could control all my party members. And anybody who's playing this on the Switch or the PS4 or the Xbox Series, whatever the fuck, or your PC, will not have this problem. You will have the portable version of the game, which means you can control all your party members. But, yeah, in, in my game, I was able to control everybody. And I think it is it is evident by the fact that they changed it in the portable version, which came out after FES, and then they changed it in every game going forward, and they recognized that that was a fuck-up. Like, they recognized people didn't like that. And I cannot imagine playing through this game without having control of my party members. I, I know that's... That's an option in some other RPGs where you can just like automate your other party members or automate your entire team and just let them do their own thing. But in a in an RPG that so much of the battling in this game is basically like solving a puzzle. Like you said, it's about going into a battle and it's about finding out who absorbs lightning, who is weak to wind, who is weak to ice, and kind of hitting the right series of attacks on them to orchestrate like a full sweep so that you don't take damage or take as little damage as possible. And I yeah. cannot imagine leaving that up to 2006 AI who is trying their that's, best. <laughs> that's the thing. So for example, I'm okay with having automated party members or just setting them like an auto AI mode yeah. on a more modern game. Like a really good example of a game with good AI, I would argue, is the Final Fantasy VII remake. Like I just had Tifa doing her shit. She's like drop kicking. <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know, one of, like, the guys with red hair. Um, and I'm like, go, girl boss. And I'm here casting, like, a fire raga or whatever, and Aerith is healing me. And, like, I don't need to worry. Like, they, they are in their bag. They are in their lane. Mm -hmm. They are thriving. They are moisturized. <laughs> I don't have to worry about them. But, like, the minute I take my eyes off of Mitsuru, she's like, what if I cast this spell that has, like, a 1% hit rate all the time? Yeah. Which is a shame because, um, depending on how much you level her, uh, Mitsuru has like one of the most powerful attacks of your entire party. Oh wow! One of the most, I think, in terms of damage, mm -hmm. her Bufujin because she has Mind Charge, which is an attack you get that yeah, strengthens yeah. your attacks. Um, her Bufujin with the Mind Charge buffing effect was the most powerful magic attack of my entire team. Hmm. So like, I just wish she was smarter. I wish the AI was smarter there. Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we go into full spoilers about this game? Um, let me see. This game, oh, well, the thing I was going to say kind of goes into spoilers, unfortunately. <laughs> what we could do is just kind of give a, give a, give how we're feeling about this game. How much we liked it, how we felt about it, and then we can segue into spoilers. Because I think I... there's, some, I don't know, what do you think? I love this game. Like, I really mm -hmm. do adore this game. Yeah. I would give it at least a 7 out of 10, if not mm -hmm. 8, honestly, how I'm feeling on the given day. I, when I walked into this game a couple months ago, uh, if you ever listen to the first episode of this podcast, Noah and I talk about our favorite games of all time. And my, of my top five, two of them are Persona 4 and Persona 5. Mm -hmm. And so... I walked in with this understanding of, like, this game will be probably my least favorite Persona game. It'll probably still be pretty good, but, like, not four or five. Yeah. And then I played it, and now, now I'm questioning whether I liked four or five that much. I know I love them, but now I'm like, wait, 
like is three actually gonna like dethrone five for me mm-hmm. is five actually my least favorite i haven't played five in five years i haven't played four in nine years and i feel like maybe i should replay those and really figure out how i feel yeah um because this one actually ended up being better than i expected and i already had some high expectations for it so i do enjoy it would i recommend it to a newcomer no <laughs> yeah i agree. at least I agree. not fes portable maybe yeah because it, it got rid of the i would say the most structural error which was the the lack of ability to control your own party mm-hmm. so maybe i would recommend portable to a, like a normie but <laughs> as it stands persona 3 fes the old school ps2 cannot control your party version mm-hmm. that i played i would only recommend to like a proper JRPG fan who already yeah. has history with the Persona or Shimigami Tensei series. Yeah. Yeah, we uh it's funny that we started this whole saga before the announcement came that these were going to be released onto the latest set of consoles. And so it kind of reframed for me at least a lot of what I wanted to do with this discussion because it went from being this is going to be a discussion about a game that is really only available to people who are going out of their way to play it. And you kind of assume people who are going out of their way to play it have some degree of familiarity with the series. But this is about to be available, and by the time you listen to this, whoever you are, it might be widely available, which kind of reframes the conversation around it, because if you can just pick it up for 15 bucks on one of the most accessible eShops around, it's a lot different than having to emulate it or having to find a copy on the secondhand market. And I agree. I would not recommend, even portable, I, I would hesitate to recommend this to somebody who is starting off with the series. I think the quality of life improvements to the battle system, to the overworld, to the exploration that come with Persona 5 probably are going to make that the best place for people who aren't familiar with the series to jump into. Now... Persona 3 Portable, it definitely is different than the version you played, Tori. Like, you had to walk around as a 3D model throughout your high school to get from point A to point B. And I had, like, a visual novel-style presentation where I was presented with an area and I just moved a cursor and picked stuff. So I think 3 is going to be... 3 is the most, like, a visual novel. And I think for some people, that's going to be a big draw. And... I, I feel very similarly to you. I, I had some concerns going into this, considering how badly I bounced off of it when I tried playing it the first time. But I think it takes a little bit of time for the story to hit its stride. But I think this is probably one of the strongest entries in the series. It's it's very, very good. I like it a lot. How would you rate it on like what like scale of 10? I think... Oh God, I don't know. That's a good question. I think I think your estimate of seven is probably about accurate. I, I think if I had played FES instead of Portable, I might rank FES a little lower. I think the stuff that made having played about half of FES, no, probably about a third of FES actually, years and years ago, some of the changes that were in Portable were like revelatory to me. So I, I think I would still put it about like a seven, maybe merging on an eight, but. in part because of those changes that this game made over the other version we're out of pre-spoilers we're now moving on to spoilers so this is going to be for people who have played the game or people who are just unconcerned with spoilers a lot of this won't make sense to you but welcome i guess what was your end game team like i want to know what your end game team was like 
my endgame team mm-hmm. was Mitsuru on full assault, mind charge, Bufu dying, mind wow. charge, okay. Bufu dying all day. I had Akihiko on debuffing repeatedly. Yeah. King of debuffs. Yeah. What the fuck is this man doing boxing? He's a debuffer. Yeah. <laughs> and then Yukari just healing. Oh, wow. Time. Healing, and then if there wasn't anyone to be healed, she would just default to, to Garu dying. And I was yeah. like, pop off, sis. I don't really care. Huh. Um, I made sure she had Samurakarm and Metadirahan okay. before walking into that fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's how I did it. And so with that boss, obviously, it changed its tolerances. So I used about four personas. I used Cert, Thor, Horus, and I might, pre- I might be pronouncing this wrong, but it's your lunger. It is this rainbow worm that uh, you, I believe it is the Temperance Arcana. Could be wrong about that, but it's a rainbow worm that does wind and ice attacks. How about you? So I was rolling Yukari, similarly, on full heal. Yukari does so little damage, even fully maxed, like... Also, her HP bar sucks. I had her at, like, level 85, and this girl this girl was barely doing any damage against the final boss. So I had her on, like, full heal mode the entire game, throwing out items, doing whatever the fuck. I was rolling with Junpei as my physical attacker. If you had told me when I started this game that Junpei was going to be, like, one of my rider dies at the end of the game, I would not have believed you. I found him to be... He's a himbo. He's a himbo. I found him to be so excruciating at the beginning of the game. And I was like, the minute I got enough party members to kick him out, I kicked him out. But come the end of the game, I had, one, fallen in love with his character, and two, he was just such a beefy physical attacker that he might not have had the same, like, crit rate as Akihiko, but this motherfucker was doing so much damage out of the gate with max physical attacks that I didn't even care. He was just, he was hitting so hard. My last party member was Igus. I love Igus. When I started playing this game, the only thing I really knew about Persona 3, outside of the little that I had played of it, was that the community loves Igus for some reason. Like, Igus has, like, her own fan base within the Persona 3 fan base. People yes. fucking love this robot. I also found her to be kind of exhausting when they first introduced her. Because the... The trope of the robot who is a fish out of water, who is trying to become a human, is, like, not something I gravitate towards. It's, like, not a trope I'm in love oh, with. Oh, I actually like that. But then that's just, like, I grew up, my, both my parents love Star Trek and, like, okay. really love Data. Yeah, okay. And, like, that's just, she's just Data, but, like, an anime girl, let's be yeah, real. she is. And by <laughs> the end of the game, she was one of the social links that I maxed out to. I was just, like, so in love with her character that I probably should have rolled with Akihiko, but I went with Igus instead. And that was kind of annoying because both her and Yukari had lightning weaknesses. One good lightning attack could kind of do me in, but I had Yukari holding an item that gave her, like, immunity to lightning attacks. And Igus, if Akihiko is the debuff king, Igus is the, the enormous shield that surrounds your party with her buff attacks. She's... Every other turn, she is boosting your attack. She's boosting your defense. She's boosting your agility. This robot is going nonstop, buffing my team. As far as personas, I really 
tried not to approach this game the way I do some RPGs with like I need the best guy, you know, where it's like it's like you gotta have the best guy because if you have the best guy, he's the one that can win the game for you. And ahead of maxing out my social link with I guess I was using Thor, and I was using a couple. I had a Cert in my party. I wasn't crazy in love with Cert, but I was using Thor. I was using Siegfried. And those Ooh. were two, like, my main my main two dudes. Then I maxed out my social link with Igis, and I unlocked the ability to use Metatron. Now, Metatron... What, what is... Metatron, oh, what? his base level is level 87. So he's, like, a little out of reach initially. But I did a couple of the side things in this game, so I was, like, a little over-leveled going into the final boss. I fused Metatron, and he completely busted the game. <laughs> this... <laughs> he was so busted. This motherfucker's stats, everything was, like, above 90. Because it's, like, a, you, know, you have, like, a D&D character or, like, a Pokemon. It's, like, strength, agility, magic, everything on a scale. Everything was above 90 when I fused him. So I was, like, Metat- Metatron kind of breaks the game a little bit. And I guess it makes sense because he's supposed to be, like, an old Testament angel. I'm looking angel. up Metatron. Okay, he's an... So when I hear Metatron, I think he's, like, a Transformer. Oh, no, no, no. He's, like, an Old Testament angel. <laughs> Let me look this up. Is he like a bunch of eyeballs? Is he like a biblical angel? Nah, he's just kind of like a hot dude. You fuse the other hot yeah. dudes, like you. Oh, oh my god, I yeah. fused a bunch of these guys, like Raphael, yeah, 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 and Gabriel. Like I, I fused a bunch of like humanoid. If you got Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, and like one more, and fused them all together, that was how you got Metatron. Oh, sick. oh, he looks sick. He's he's cool. got like a crusade. Yeah, like toga. He's like he has a knight body. He looks like he's ready to take the Holy Land for Christendom. He is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he looks terrifying. Okay. All that said, how did you feel about this game's story? We we were only able to talk about it in like vague terms, pre spoilers, but full spoilers. How did you feel about this game's story? I fucking love the story. I adored the story. Yeah. It. I've never had a game portray how a certain real life feelings are so accurately like i've mm-hmm. never had a game portray the feeling of dread mm-hmm. so like this much maybe that's because i haven't played a lot of horror games i've played okay, some like jrpgs with darker elements um but by dread i mean ooh, a spooky zombie is mm-hmm. like not it's not like the resident evil like oh fuck a zombie like it's tr- it's like true existential dread yeah um and trauma yeah like there's there's something really disturbing about how you were essentially a child soldier Mm -hmm. the way that basically the premise of this game is that adults fucked up yeah really badly um including the fathers of two characters in your party and it's your job to right that wrong. Yeah. And you're pretty much the only people who can do it. And you're doing it at potentially the risk of your life. And you have party members who die. Like, actually die. For real die. Like like Final Fantasy VII are, die. Yeah. Yeah, like our murdered die. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and ancillary characters who are also Persona users die. Do you want to know a um, fun fact about the character death in this game? If... If you raise, as the female main character, if you raise your social link 
with Shinjiro high enough. Like, if you max it out to 10, which I think the only way to do that within the period he's, like, available as a social link is to hang out with him, like, every fucking day. Like, be at this guy's door, like, banging his door down, like, I want to fuck you so bad, Shinjiro, come out. If you if you max out your social link with Shinjiro and, like, the two of you have, like, a romantic moment, he instead of dying, he will go into a coma, which part of me is, like, that's kind of cool that your character can, like, your character is so important with, like, the cogs of the way the universe moves that by loving this dude so much... You can fix him. You can literally fix him. You can literally fix him. You can prevent him from you- dying. And another part of me is, like, I kind of hate that because that character's death is, like, such an important moment for the rest of the party that I think it would be undermined if you could, like, go to the hospital and see he's still just, like, chilling there, you know? I will say, when Shinjiro dies, that is one of the most haunting cutscenes I've ever seen in a video game. Yeah. The way the moon turns green and red, the way his blood spills on the floor, the yeah. way how he's not... Your team doesn't catch up and, like, run to find out where he is until he's practically dead on the floor, to how one of the members of your party, speaking of child soldiers, oh, as an eight-year-old boy... Fucked up. Um, Ken's really supposed to be was, eight. He's supposed to be eight, or like ten, or something. Whatever, like yeah, his baby. fourth grade or something. Whose mother <laughs> was actually murdered by Shinjiro, by the way, by mistake. Uh, to be fair, wanted yeah. to commit a murder suicide. Yeah, against Shinjiro, like he wanted to kill Shinjiro and kill himself. And so when he walks up to Shinjiro dying, he's like, "Fuck! I wanted to kill you and then kill myself." Yeah, and you're like, "Can you do long division?" <laughs> What the hell's going on? This this hot cat guy could see was so fucked up. It was like it was so weird. He yeah. was like, at least in my version, he is like Ken is like freaking out. He's like banging on the concrete floor and like mm-hmm. screaming. Really gut like for a like an eight year old. Yeah. Being like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And just he's having like a mental breakdown. Yeah. Um at the sight of Shinjiro dying because he felt yeah. like he couldn't adequately avenge his mother by not killing, being able to kill Shinjiro in time. Um, and the whole group is horrified. His body is there. And, like, it's just really fucked up. Yeah. And then the most fucked up thing, honestly, like, that, that I would say that moment in the game is a real tonal shift. Yeah. Because it happens in October, or I believe September. I think it's October. Yeah. There's a good chunk of game left. Happens about halfway, maybe two thirds of the way of the game in. Let's say sixty percent. Um, and before that, yeah, it was a you know, spooky atmosphere. You could die out here. People have died beating shadows. Um, it's creepy. There's coffins everywhere. Ooh, Ooh yeah. there's blood stains on the floor. But it's like spooky. It's like yeah. spooky aesthetic. And then like one of your friends like for real dies, and then one of your friends has a, a mental breakdown. Over not being able to commit murder suicide. Yeah. Um. And it's just one of those moments where, like, the screen fades to black, and you just kind of sit there. I was sitting there with my PS2 controller in hand, and I was like, "That was fucked up." Yeah. That was like unbelievably fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, your character wakes up, and you're supposed to go to school. Yeah. And I don't know if this was the case for you, but I got this little caption box at the bottom of my screen that was like, "Last night something." A really horrible tragedy happened. You lost a friend. 
However, life moves on yeah. and you must go to school. And I kind of laughed at first. I was like, this is a fucked up game. Yeah. But I kind of sat there and I was like, oh my God. Like, they force you to just like continue on. And the thing is, you can't act like you're traumatized over what happened because A, Shinjiro was not the most popular person at school. He had a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be associated with him. And frankly, he didn't want to be associated with you. Um, and exams are coming up soon and you're yeah. a junior and you want to get into college and like life just moves on. And that's when I feel like the game enters a headspace of like, oh, like we could really die out here. Yeah. So I think that's how I felt. The thing that really drives that home, I, I found that scene to be very impactful, but it was a little less impactful because the portable version didn't have the anime cutscene. And I'm like, I'm really holding out that they're going to surprise everybody and the Switch release and the, the mass release of Portable is going to magically have the cutscenes from the Fez version. Like, I'm really hoping for that because I, I watched mm. a YouTube compilation of all the cutscenes and I was like, I really missed out. Like, I got a lot of quality life stuff, but I really missed out on the anime cutscenes because they're awesome. And most of all, probably, because of how fucking awesome the art direction is in this game, Shigenori Soijima. He is the guy that did the character designs for this game, and he he took over as the chief art designer for characters when Persona 3 comes out. 3 is the game that he takes over on, and he also did some work for a couple of the other Shin Megami Tensei games before this, but like, he starts in 3, and he is also responsible for the character designs of 4 and 5, but it's got a really distinct visual style with the anime cutscenes, and I thought that was cool. But But yeah... I thought this scene was impactful, and less so because of that, but because of, one, this game has surprisingly good voice acting, which I was kind of... Very good voice acting. I Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, because the the uh, the expectation was that it was going to be, like, goofy anime dub, and parts of it are. They're, they're... Persona 4, I will say, that voice acting is just a... That's an anime dub. That's an anime dub. This, this had surprisingly good voice, like, voice acting. Um, but like, since mine was more of a visual novel, the, the, the Jesus Jared Leto looking guy of the enemy team, like he does hold up a gun and that still was very shocking to me because even though like, I guess has guns for arms, so it shouldn't have been that shocking when a character holds a revolver and points it at your party, there's something so, I don't know, there's like a tactility to the, the physical gun that's way scarier than your character wielding like a katana and having a magic demon that they hang out with like a character just having a gun and pointing it at a group of teenagers is way scarier than you having the greek god of thor in your party you know like that that was definitely freaky yeah and one thing i will say is when like when you're talking about the voice acting I will say one of the most impressed I've been by, like, video game voice acting. There's a lot of terrible video game voice acting oh, out yeah. there. Um, really bad. In fact, uh, my fiancé is playing Mega Man 8, and that voice <laughs> acting is horrific. Yeah, p- pound for pound, horrific. there is more bad video game voice acting than there is good video um, game voice acting. <laughs> but I will say, like, some of the most impressive voice acting I saw was with Igus. Yeah. Because yeah. when Igus starts, she sounds like a robot. 
Yeah. She sounds exactly like a robot. Um, almost like teleprompter-y voice. Mm-hmm. And, or like Siri voice is the better way to describe that. And then as you go further on and she becomes less like a machine and more like a human, mm-hmm. at yeah. least in the emotional sense, um, she starts to sound more and more like a regular person. Yeah. Um, and towards the end, um, she cries. Mm-hmm. She cries like a, like a regular teenage girl and laughs like a, reg- like a regular teenage girl. And that, that uh, gradation of like those middle parts as she's a little robot and a little human and progressively more human is such like an artistic feat to accomplish as a voice actor. Yeah. That I was really impressed by that. Did you max out the social link with Igus? I never formed a social link with Igus. Oh, interesting. Okay. There is a there is a very brief window, and I, I really tried not to use a guide too much for this game, but there were a few social links that I was like, I can't really figure out how to start this. I need to just open up a GameFAQs guide and figure out how to start this. And there is a very brief window in January when you're like you're really trucking it's like close to the end of the game it's like january 1st or 2nd right after the new year when everybody hangs out and i guess is like i want to be a real girl and you guys are like all right i guess where if you talk to her after school she's like hey let's walk home together actually and you can forge this social link with her um i've played three of these games now personas three four and five and i always kind of cringed at the the dating elements to them and I I found myself with fewer opportunities to cringe with this one because the the dating stuff was handled shockingly well playing as the female well, protagonist. Well, for one, you can't date as any adults, which Persona 5 can't say that. This is so. true. But um, <laughs> I was kind of shocked by how well it was handled with the female protagonist. But I know we'll talk about that when we talk about the social links we went for. But I did max out Igus, And at the end of your social link with Igus and... I don't think this is the intent, so I imagine it's probably the same with the male main character because it was very sapphic. It was <laughs> it was very romantic. Oh, really? There is there is a scene where I guess all the most of the characters, you know, when you finish the social link, they're like, "Come into my room, and you can see my room." And it's like a it's a kind of silly thing, but like it makes sense because it's they're pulling you into their space and they're showing you this in a really intimate act, this space that they keep. And so I guess says like, "I want to show you my room." But it's not much to look at. So she takes me into a room and it's functionally a lab. There's like there's like bullet oh, yeah. there's like bullet casings hanging out. Like uh there's there's just like this two like a bakta tank looking thing in the corner that she can like go lock herself in to sleep and hang Charge, out and stuff. Yeah. And she she tells you she's like, you know how she wears a red ribbon around her neck? She explains yeah. that underneath the red ribbon is a button you can press that exposes her like artificial heart. Which is, it's it's her heart, but there's also like a brain and the soul kind of sort of because she's a robot, and so she tells your character she's like, I want you to take my ribbon off, and put your hand on the heart, like my soul, and she says I can't let it be exposed to the air very much because any speck or bacteria or whatever could get on it can hurt me. But she's like, very briefly, I want you to open it up and I want you to press your finger to it. And I want the oils of your skin to touch my artificial heart. (laughs) 
so that we what? are forever bonded. And I was sitting here like that is the gayest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I have literally never played one of these games and gone. This is actually I. I was sitting there staring at my PSP like this is like genuinely romantic. And I'm yeah, getting that's it, beautiful. And what I'm getting it in the social link relationship between the female main character and the robot who wants to be a real girl. I was blown away by that. I was. I love that. I was, and she wasn't even the character who was like my romantic interest. I ended up, I ended up dating Ryoji, which is its own can of worms. But like, which is the final boss? Yeah, I, I kind of even like <laughs> knew that, and I was still like, how can I not fuck him? But. I, uh, he's hot. He, yeah, he's cute. He's kind of fun. He um, has this little scarf, and he's like, ooh, ooh. But like, that, really that scene with Igus was just shockingly beautiful. Yeah, that's, like, <laughs> bro, that's like more intimate than sex. That's, that's crazy. I, I, I like, like touch my, my organs. I know. Baby. She's, like, like, that's crazy. she's like, I want you to touch my soul. And I was staring at my PSP <laughs> like, what? Like, the, that was why I said it had to be the same with the male main protagonist, because there is no way they would have put something so, like, deliberately romantic in with the female main character and the girl robot but <laughs> yeah that's wild that makes me want to makes me regret my my fuka bond although i don't but if i know that was the end game i would have done that but also so fuka's a similar situation yeah. to i guess in that you cannot activate her link until like january or mm -hmm. december huh. and so I was I had two links I wanted to finish really badly. Mm -hmm. I wanted to finish Fuga and I wanted to finish the terminally ill man at the shrine. Didn't know there was a terminally um, ill man, but his his arc is great <laughs> and it's really beautiful. I only had like a month left and so I was just focused on finishing those two links. I just completely forgot about Igus. But had I known, maybe I would have done that differently. Um, although I don't know the dynamics of that because as a male protagonist, could I be bonding with Fuga and Igus at the same time? Would yeah. they have gotten catty with each other? I don't know. So that was my thing. That is insanely beautiful. Uh, I'm trying to think of other social links I really liked. Yeah, who who did you max out? I guess it, you probably maxed out quite a few, but like, who did you max out? I maxed out really a lot. Like? Yeah. I maxed out uh, the dying man. His okay. was really beautiful. He is a terminally ill man. He has a genetic disorder that's fatal, and he's only a few years older than you. And you meet him at the park in front of the shrine and he talks about how he you know how he has a really dour outlook on life and he doesn't know what's the point of living and like why was I cursed with this disease and everyone pities me and I'm trying to figure out the meaning of life before I die and you're like mm -hmm. that sucks <laughs> but then eventually he sees your youth and your optimism he's inspired by it and he he loves to read books because books are his escapism mm -hmm. from realizing he's not in the terminally ill body. And so his arc is that he writes a book about a gator, an a pink alligator. Aww. And the pink alligator dies, but his death means something. And I guess the alligator is a metaphor for him. And you get to read the book. That's so sweet. And then afterward, he stops coming to the shrine. Oh. And I guess it's implied that maybe he passed away or something. Yeah. But that was really sad. And so that got me the old bookstore couple. I was just about to say, I know we both maxed out the old bookstore couple. Yeah. Yeah. That couple, they lost their son in a car accident. He was a teacher and former student at the high school you go to. Mm -hmm. And the arc with them is that a tree at your school was planted in his honor. 
and that the school was considering removing the tree to like make way for new construction or something mm -hmm. and you try to like help that not happen and it eventually i believe it does eventually happen or maybe it doesn't i don't really remember but they they feel solace and closure and whatever happens and um they view you as a, as like a son so that's really beautiful any other ones for you that stick out? I'm really interested in your social link with Puka. Was your so I did not have to wait until Endgame to start my social link with Puka. I was able to start mine earlier. Was yours the cooking club or was it something else? Mine was some sort of club. Okay. So in order to do Fuka, so you have to have maxed out courage. So you have to have badass level courage. Oh wow. You also have to have a social link of at least one with, I believe, the Fortune social link. Hmm. It was just like a separate guy from some, like, club that's like photography or something like that. Whoa. Okay. And then her link opens up because she's standing outside of the boys' bathroom at school after class and you can talk to her. Interesting. Okay. So that's how that starts with her. In mine... The the social link was was not nearly as blocked off as that, and in mine it was the cooking club. So Fuka Fuka says she wants to start a club. She starts a cooking club, and basically all ten ranks of it were Fuka's foibles in being a bad cook and terminally being unable to follow instructions. So it was like every rank was like. All right, we're gonna make a cake. Oopsie! I used I used salt instead of sugar. It's a really bad cake. But your character was like really patient. So my character was like super super patient with Fuka, always baking stuff that was like really good or cooking stuff that was good, and then showing Fuka what she did wrong. And by the time we got to the end, I was kind of like I was like Fuka's rock. I was Fuka was like. You were so patient with me, and you showed me that if I really put my mind to it, I can do whatever do whatever I want. But the main appeal of Fuka's for me was that by hanging out with Fuka at the cooking club, it was an endless supply of gifts I could give to everybody because I was yeah. just constantly producing baked goods. And mm -hmm. basically everybody liked sugar cookies and banana muffins and stuff like that. Like, I would give, I would then gift them to Fuka. I would be like, here's a sugar cookie, Fuka. And she'd be like, Oh my god, this is so good. It'd be like, I baked it literally yesterday with you standing right there. <laughs> but but yeah, hers hers was cool and it was totally different. Um another one that I really liked was the little girl at the park whose parents are divorcing. You did this one oh, too. Oh yeah, right? I also maxed her out. Yeah, yeah. Mako, Maiko. Yeah. I don't know, as a as a kid, uh, as a as an adult who had divorced parents when I was a kid. There was something like really cathartic in kind of like a depressing way to be able to sit and like have lunch with this virtual child and the child looks at your character and is like, is it my fault that my parents are breaking up? And then for your character to be like, no, it's not your fault. Like these are these are things Aww. that are so, so beyond you. And it's I had one instance where I I was like pressing the X button too fast. And I accidentally said that it was her fault that her parents were divorcing. No! I turned my game off and I turned it back on. I was like, I'm probably only going to lose a couple days worth of progress. 
I was like, this probably doesn't even affect much in the long run, but I cannot live with myself. <laughs> that you're is like, my... you're like, I'm resetting the game. I'm healing my inner child right Could not fucking do it. now. Can I tell you, though, something that I'm assuming was unique to me picking the female main character? You know how at the end of the game, all of the non-party members, social link characters that you maxed out, you get the opportunity to, like, talk to them. They're all, like, hanging out outside as, like, just before the world ends, and you get the opportunity to, like, share one final moment with them. Okay. Um, so I, like, talked to the bookstore couple, and I talked to the, the greasy businessman who I, like, helped start a charity or whatever the fuck I did for that social link. I don't even remember. And one of the people who was hanging outside of the takoyaki shop was uh, Maiko's dad. Not her mom, just her dad. And so I went and talked to him. And, you know, throughout her social social link, her parents are, like, they're not really characters you get to interact with on the overworld. They're characters that show up in cutscenes, but they don't really, you never have the opportunity to, like, walk up to her dad and talk to him. And so her dad is standing outside the takoyaki shop that you and her used to go to. And he says that she he just got a letter from her. She's living with her mom. She's really happy. Her mom's really happy. She's having a good time. And then her dad goes, she mentioned you in the letter, too. And she really thinks of you like her sister. And I think that's really great. And then there's a beat. And then he goes, would you be interested in going out with me? What? My jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my God, bro. On On one hand, it was like the perfect level of tone deaf both for this character and for this game. And on the other hand, I was just like, it was, you know, it was like, like, world's going to end. It was like a fucking Gotta date the 16 year old. Of course they would ruin this moment with this character. So we now know why he doesn't have custody of his child. (laughs) That fucker cheated. He cheated and he wants to fuck teenagers. Like, come on. Absolutely. That was, I'm glad she chose her mom. I pulled out my laptop and I made a note immediately on my long-running notes document that just says Mako's dad asked me out WTF in all caps with like four exclamation points like it was the most fucked up thing that was probably more fucked up than all of like the world ending character death stuff the fact that this guy was like want to go out with me like oh my god that's fucked up um I think the only other social like that's really standing out to me is one that I completed was Junpei's funny enough because Junpei's social link, I expected, since Junpei is like a horny teenage boy, I kind of thought that he was going to be a romantic interest for my character, and I was kind of worried that that was going to cause issues. Like you said, it would reach a point with the other girls where they like told you not to talk to other girls, and at this point, I had hit like rank 8 with Junpei, and then it took me a little bit of time to go further, but by the time I finished his social link, I was already trying to schmooze Ryoji, so I was kind of worried that that was going to cause problems, but it never did. Because your entire social link with Junpei is, like, it's just you and him being bros. Like, you guys hang out. He he comes to terms with the fact that, like, I don't know, he has a hard time struggling with the fact that he feels his only importance within the team is the fact that he's a Persona user. And he's worried that if he weren't a Persona user, he would be basically less of a person. And midway through your social link, he, he's talking to some other guys. This happens off screen. He's talking to other guys, and somebody gives him a picture of some girls he took photos of on the volleyball team, and one of them is my character. And he goes ballistic. And he's like, who the fuck took this photo? I want to know. And so the last couple of ranks are you tracking down uh-huh. the person who did that. And it's none of it happens on screen. There's no, like, your character and Junpei are on a stakeout. 
most of this happens off screen and it's junpei just like hey i got a lead on this guy i think i found him out and by the end of it i was kind of worried that it was going to undermine the fact that like junpei and chidori have a bond like junpei clearly really loves chidori even though she does die and it would have felt i think it would have undermined that relationship had he been like hey you want to come to my room and by the end of the social link he was just like yeah we're bros and maybe there was an option i picked in the dialogue that skewed it in that direction because i was trying to keep it that way but it really felt natural for him to just be like yeah we're bros and he was like you can you can trust me with anything we're best friends and we can always count on each other and i i was so shocked by the fact that like the first male character they introduced was not then forced on me as a romantic interest you know i was really impressed i love with that, that. Yeah. that's great i wish i could have bonded with junpei i, I know really like junpei um i will say for those who have played other persona games junpei is the og mm-hmm. horny guy yeah. who repeatedly says for real he's the template <laughs> which is funny because yosuke and ryoji also and ryuji also say for real for real yeah i love that he he is the father of for real <laughs> so any other social links for you that like really stood out or that's pretty much it yeah. for me what about the rest um, of the story though i uh yeah, yeah. i do want to delve into that please do so the months of december and january are so unforgettable in this game these are mm-hmm. the last two months of this game um, because you find out that uh, this kid who transferred to your school, his name is Ryoji. Yeah. He is actually, <laughs> he's so hot, <laughs> but he's actually like death incarnate and Oops. it's like the harbinger of the apocalypse. And there's also like the final boss. Happens. Um, and he is like, you can kill me right now but so first yeah so you find out he is death he's like you can kill me right now but uh and if you do everything resets you'll completely forget about everything that has happened in the past year the world will end but you'll be kind of like blissfully unaware of what's really happening right but up until right before you die if you choose to spare me you will have to face Nyx, which is just like the the death, which is just like the end of the world, just like the manifestation of like all bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will die, and the entire like you will only be able to face Nyx on January thirty first. And he's telling you this in like December, mm-hmm. so you have a whole month or over a month where you're just like literally just waiting to die, and you're presented with this information and. A text box opens up at the bottom of my screen that says, do you know how you want to die? And that is really, really poignant for me. I I assume this moment was where you got the choice. Like, I assume if you had killed Ryoji then that it would have been the bad ending, right? That, like, the credits would have just rolled? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know who in their right mind would have done that. When you, like, throw the guy in the wheelchair into the TV and you're like, fuck you, you killed Nanako. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then credits roll and they're like, like, fuck you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how you're supposed to do it, obviously. Um, but what happens is you are given a month to make this decision as to whether or not to kill Ryoji. And that month 
is like nothing I've ever played before in a video game. Yeah. Time, like, you're just forced to go through the motions of everyday life with this dread that weighs on you, and you see the way it affects your friends. Your friends are numb, your friends are crying, your friends are having outbursts of anger, they're going through all the stages of grief except for acceptance. Yeah. Um, up until the very end, at least. And you can't hang out with them. It's not like... And you can't yeah. hang out with them. You have exams. Exactly. Gameplay-wise, it's annoying because you have exams and you can't hang out with any of your party members. But it's, yeah, from a story level, it's like, it's depressing because it's like you get back to the dorm at night and everybody's just like, whoops, world's gonna end, I guess. Why are we bothering with anything? And you can't, like, do anything with any of them. The music changes, too. I don't yeah. know if you noticed this. Yeah. But, like, when you usually are in your dorm building... There's this, like, fun hip-hop, like, da 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 Yeah, goes like, really hard, yeah. rapping song. Okay, that song slaps. And that song is replaced by very, like, urgent, moody piano music. And same thing happens, like, when you walk outside, or you're out in the overworld, especially at the shrine, there's this beautiful, haunting piano song that plays. And it's really, really something. Yeah. And that's another big tonal shift, I would say, the second big tonal shift that happens after the death of Shinjiro. Um, and they just did really well at encapsulating the dread of waiting. Yeah. And the only... So, I played this game during a really uh, weird time in my personal life where uh, a family member of mine was going through treatment for stage 4 cancer and the odds were not very good. And they're in remission now, and it's actually kind of a miracle. Mm -hmm. But uh, this game, I've never played a game or have I've never interacted with any form of media that encapsulates what it's like to wait for the answer mm -hmm. as to whether or not your loved one or yourself or whatever is going to make it. Yeah. And that caption at the bottom that says, do you know how you want to die, is just incredibly impactful. Especially that your character and your party is so young. You have a you have an elementary school age child yeah. in there. You have sixteen year olds in there. You had a teenager die in there. It's just like really horrible shit, and it's uh it's really nerve wracking to see something like do you know how you want to die? That that's just like wow. That's why it hits even harder when like obviously there is going to then be a moment where everybody comes to their senses and they say all right forget it we're gonna stand up to the evil god of death and we're gonna fight back but that's why it was still so impactful when yeah when you when that happens and all the characters gather around in the dorm and they're like all right screw it no more moping we're gonna get back out there and we're gonna grind some levels up and we're gonna beat this boss and each party member individually says like i know what i want to do we're all going to make this decision together and everybody independent of each other comes to the decision that they want to like not lay down their arms, that they don't want to go blissfully into oblivion. They want to stand up and fight. And I think, I think this was a point that was made on the Into the Aether podcast episode they did about Personas 3, 4, and 5. Each of these games ends with, I guess spoilers for Personas 4 and 5, each of these games ends with the main bad guy being puppeteered by some evil deity. And I think, especially in Five's case, a little less so in Four's case, 
I think that really undermines the story because yeah, it's very much like oh, so we like made friends and fought some monsters. Yeah, and, like, it's like I would say me- low to medium stakes throughout four and five. Mm-hmm. Maybe some slightly higher st- stakes in some cases. Yeah, like politicians are really corrupt. Yeah, or, like shitty men sexual assault women. But then at the very end, it's like, all right, time to fight God. Exactly. And it's like, did you have to go that far? And in both cases, the games go, remember how this game was a story about how corruptible humans are and about how, how fucked up adults are and how fucked up the world is? Actually, that was all because of an evil God that was controlling everybody. And this game kind of comes out of left field and surprised me in that, yeah, you do still fight God in the end, but... You fight the god of death as an extension of the bad stuff that the adults puppeteering everything have done. Not not out of nowhere. It doesn't come up and then say, it's no god comes out and is like, I'm responsible for all the bad stuff. <laughs> it's that god comes out because that's what Ikutsuki was trying to bring on. And that's because of what started 10 years prior when Mitsuru's dad was doing all this stuff. Like, this is... This is rather than being something that comes out of left field, this is the logical conclusion of all the fuck-ups that the adult characters did and the mess you've had to clean up. And I was really surprised by that. Is it weird? I know they probably weren't thinking of this. Or maybe they were. I don't know. I look at this plot, and the first thing that comes to my mind is climate change. Oh, interesting. Because, you know, the adults who are working for a company who profit is you know, number one, mm-hmm. and dominating is number one, are doing these things that are just, like, almost like playing God bigger than yeah. themselves. Things that they know are probably going to break major bad. existential effects mm-hmm. and have major effects on the rest of the world and can literally end the world. And it's their children who have to risk their lives yeah. to pick up the pieces. And still, years and years and years later... It, it manifests in this huge threat that is literally threatening the entire planet mm-hmm. and its children who are the only ones who can fix it. That's that's interesting. And like, yeah. I thought, like, I, that was my first thought when I played this game. Like, again, this game was made 15 years ago. It's not from a game made in the US. I don't know if this is on their mind at all, but I was like, if this game came out today, I feel like everyone would be like, oh, is this a climate change metaphor? Or this is a metaphor maybe for nuclear war. Maybe that's actually a more accurate description of a game like this being made in Japan. Yeah, that's what came to my mind. And it, it was really impactful. That's funny you say that because the thing that came to my mind was that this game feels like it was a game written by people who really like Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I won't, I won't fully delve into why I feel that way because I know you have not watched Evangelion in its entirety. But you're not the first person who said that. I mean, I'm the sure I'm are not, mega like. Yeah. yeah. There's kids being forced to do horrible things. But but three especially, a lot of the imagery, like the themes are one thing, but a lot of the imagery of three reminded me of a lot of Evangelion, like the scene at the be- the very beginning of the game. Which, side note, I do think, telling a long form story across a seventy plus hour JRPG you're bound to forget some stuff, which is why it was nice going back and rewatching the anime cutscenes that I missed out in my game. And the, the anime cutscene at the very beginning of the game when the main character summons their persona for the first time and it's Orpheus, and then like the screen kind of freaks out and their character freaks out, and then out from their head, 
splits Orpheus and becomes like death, like Thanatos. And the yeah. imagery of Thanatos eating the other shadows is like so, so, so reminiscent of when Unido One goes berserk in Evangelion. Shinji completely loses control of it. And I, I think the the end game of Persona 3 is kind of like the end of Evangelion if like Shinji could have somehow stopped the third impact, which is like completely impossible in the story of Evangelion. But and I know some of this means nothing to you, but like in the in the story of this game, it's really an opportunity for your character to like do the absolute impossible. Your character yeah, your character has this true like Jesus moment. This moment I this is a really funny Your character way to is like it. literally Jesus, yeah. Well, you know, if you do the impossible and you max out every single social link in the game, mm-hmm. your persona evolves from Orpheus to Messiah. Oh wow. Okay. So like, yeah, you are Jesus. Huh. Yeah, you really um, are Jesus. Just you literally are Jesus. It, you have this moment, you literally, you literally like ascend into a different realm. Yeah. You have this like this I believe I can fly plays in the background <laughs> fucking moment yeah. of like you your friends are all like standing on a platform and like oh I can barely stand up the force of this enemy mm-hmm. and you just like t-pose <laughs> and just like ascend forward yeah. into a different realm yeah and a remixed version of the theme song called burn my dread plays and it's a remixed version and it sounds so fucking yeah it sounds cool. great it sounds great um and you basically your health is whatever it was like my health was 511 hp you have like no hit points you have no items you don't even have a persona anymore Mm -hmm. and your only option is to do a physical attack that takes all of your health away and you're like am i gonna die yeah and yeah, it's really cool storytelling you, through the battle system. Uh, I thought that was really cool. So cool. And you're inside this black thing, and, like, death is there, and it's, like, emitting out stuff. It, it's almost like, it kind of reminded me of, like, the final boss of Earthbound with Gygus. You're inside this big yeah. womb, yeah. or, like, big darkness. Yeah, you can't, even, you can't even perceive Gygus' attacks. You can't even perceive what Nyx is doing, because Nyx is, like, just so all-consuming. You hear the voices of your... You hear the voices of your friends and people who have, you've, like, maxed out your social links with being like, we believe in you. Yeah. You're out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, Mako is like, like don't, have... don't fuck my dad, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling from the back, please, do not fuck my dad. 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 But yeah, you have this attack where you have to sacrifice yourself. And I thought, oh, I'm going to die right here. Yeah. Like, this is going to be my, like, hashtag Jesus moment. I'm just going to die right here and that makes perfect sense okay great story but that's not what happens and what happens is you save the day you defeat death you defeat nyx and like the screen goes white and all of a sudden it's two months later yeah and you're like i'm alive Mm -hmm. i'm going to school and you have this one extremely boring school day yeah where like there's no questions in class None of your friends want to talk to you. That fucked me You up. feel sick and tired. You're like, you're feeling really tired. You're feeling really weak. You should go to bed early. And then the next, it tells you like, oh, your friends graduate tomorrow. Tomorrow's graduation day. Because two of your party members are seniors. You said you would be there. Okay. You go and it's the next day. You go to graduation. Valedictorian is Mitsuru. 
Of course. Who's in your party. She gives a speech. Girl boss. And whatever. And, uh... Oh, also, defeating the final boss causes everyone to forget, like, who they are and what oh, yeah, they true. did, and, like, as Persona users. So everyone starts to starts to remember, which is part of the reason why no one wants to talk to you. None of your friends talk to you because they're like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, I think there's a there's a moment when Junpei, like, looks at Igus and he's like, who's that girl? And I, I think Igus didn't forget because she's a robot. But, yeah. Igus never forgot. But um, everyone remembers what has happened over the past course of this game within, like, a day. And they join Mitsuru and celebrate her graduation or whatever. And you're with Igus. You're just on the rooftop of the school building and you she's sitting there and you look really tired like you're about to collapse tired and you lay your head across her lap laying down and this really beautiful music plays in the background and cherry blossoms are coming from the tree because it's early march and um it keeps fading in and out keeps saying you're tired keeps saying your eyes are heavy and it's like you go to sleep mm-hmm. And I guess is saying goodbye to you, and you're like, "Am I dying?" Like it's super weird. And um, soon enough, all your friends rush in to see you sprawled out across I guess's lap, and um, you go to sleep and you never wake up. You die the next day. Basically, what you learned from the epilogue is that they took you back to the dorm room, and they let you rest the rest of the night. And then next morning, when they come downstairs and find you, you are dead. Yeah. Um, and that an autopsy was performed on you. That they couldn't find anything that was wrong. You simply just died in your sleep. Um, it's really, really sad. <laughs> What's kind of incredible about this too is that this game, this game is kind of like this game in some ways is almost like the Final Fantasy VII of Persona, the Persona series, because it has so much ancillary material through the answer and through Persona Four Arena, which is billed as a Persona Four game, but actually includes persona 3 characters and kind of what's going on in their stories years later yeah but so it's a rare opportunity to see past the end credits of one of these games and to see to see these high school aged characters beyond being high school aged characters but i kind of i almost like the ambiguity of the end because you have access with the the fes version to the answer this entire side part of the game that takes place after the end credits roll and after the main character is confirmed dead. Whereas on Portable, when my character goes to sleep and the credits roll, that's it. And I almost liked the ambiguity there of like, did my character die? Did my character go to sleep? It, I mean, of course I don't want my character to die, but I, I kind of like in some ways that it was it was left up to, to the reader or to the player to kind of make make that call as to whether or not the sacrifice completely killed them or whether they rebounded from it in some way. Yeah, the answer... Do you want me to talk about please, the answer? Please talk about the answer, yeah. I've I've read yeah, what the, happens in the story. I, I did not play it because I... It's not worth it's, it. Yeah, it's just like challenge mode, basically. and It's challenge mode. Yeah. Basically, Igus inherits some of your persona powers. Mm-hmm. You now play as Igus. It takes place, like, a couple weeks after the main character from Persona 3 dies. And a whole new, like, inverted bridge of Tartarus. Instead of being a tall building, it's a basement. Of course. Opens up in your dorm. And you go explore it, and you uh, rehash how everyone awakened to their personas initially. It's a lot of flashbacks and more bonding as a group. 
And the whole thing is that I guess dedicated her life to you. Mm-hmm. I guess loved you. Um, and basically she had a problem finding meaning in her life after your character dies. And so it's basically her finding what the meaning of life is. That's the question, which is why it's called the answer. I see. Um, and her getting a sense of mortality is like the answer to figuring out why life is so precious. That's cool. Uh, and it's cool. And I like it a lot. Has really good music too. Yeah, has good music. Like the inverted Tartarus has like good piano music. I just love how much optional stuff there is after Persona Three for you to engage with these characters. We we talked about it a little I bit. I do. I love on that. the last episode of our show. But both of us have messed with Persona Four Arena a little bit, and I think it's really cool that Persona Four Arena, which is billed as a sequel to Persona Four, even as a fighting game visual novel also kind of connects persona 3 in some really interesting ways and takes place far enough yeah persona 4 takes place like at least three or four years after persona 3 because in portable there is a like side trip you do with the volleyball team this is not in the normal game i looked it up where you go to the amagi inn in inaba and you meet like oh yeah you meet yukiko when she's a little kid one of the party members from persona 4 and it's just, like, this young girl who comes out and, like, takes takes your guy's stuff and introduces you to the inn and stuff. But um, Persona 3 Portable came out after Persona 4. So there was a little bit of hindsight there for them retconning, to... Retconning. Yeah, yeah, retcon some connections into them and that kind of thing. The answer... So an, the answer, you do fight, like, a manifestation of man's ill will. Nice. And... You basically fight a manifestation of suicidal thought. Hmm. So at the end, you go to the same weird realm where your protagonist was when you defeated Nyx. Yeah. There's a really weird cutscene of your protagonist's body decomposing and rotting. No, I hate that. I was like, the fuck? I didn't need to see that. But anyway, you find the protagonist, and this is where the memes come in. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Persona 3 community likes to refer to the dead protagonist as Door Coon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what do you mean he's a door he's a door he's a seal he becomes his body becomes a door in a christ okay position. i've seen that picture then yeah and that door he is that's really the, he's sealing the world from nyx hmm. he becomes a seal i see so you didn't um, kill nyx you didn't defeat nyx you just kind of tucked nyx away yeah nyx can always come back yeah and that's kind of like the foreboding thing that's told to the persona 3 kids and the answer is like you can't defeat Nyx, he will always be there. And you can't outrun death, you will die. Yeah. You will always die. Um, we're all mortal. Um, but it's a matter of like enjoying life, like deciding how you want to die or something like that, like not letting it defeat you. And you fight with basically a manifestation of suicidal thought. Hmm. Um, and that's pretty fucking crazy. God, yeah. And that manifestation of suicidal thought is like a battering ram against the door Mm -hmm. your protagonist's body and you have to keep them from jamming your door coon (laughs) open um so that's pretty sick actually i thought that was interesting that's insane how like dour the answer is considering that i would say tonally persona 4 arena 
and I have not played Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, the second Persona 4 Arena game, but I've played some of Persona 4 Arena. Totally, it's a lot similar to, a lot more similar to Persona 4, which I would definitely yeah. say is more lighthearted. Like, you show up, and it's the, everybody's going into the TV world, including some of the Persona 3 characters, and there's like an evil version of Teddy who's making you guys all fight. And it's kind of, it's kind of goofy in a way. It's campy. It's campy yeah. and it's goofy in a way that feels like kind of weird for the Persona 3 characters. Like for, for Akihiko and Mitsuru and the Igis to be in a situation where they're like, there's a campy teddy bear that's making them fight other characters. Like it, it definitely felt a little weird. Yeah. I mean, those games are fun. I will say yeah. Ultimax is good. Um. You get to see these characters older. Yeah. You, I love awesome. seeing Yukari and Junpei and Mitsuru as adults. Yeah, that's I so think cool. The jobs they end up in and those types of things are they're very realistic. And I think I said um, that when we talked about this the first time. Like it's so rare for anime, video games, anything like that that portrays high school aged people to then be able to like see them and play as them later when they're adults. Just considering how much media is centered around like teenagers and that kind High of thing. High school. Yeah. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I like seeing that. And you get to see Ken as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. And Koromaru as an old dog. An old dog. He doesn't bark that much anymore. Oh. And that's great. Um, the ending of this game is what sets it apart, honestly, mm -hmm. from Persona uh, 4 and 5. Mm -hmm. And from honestly, the genre, like the genre of JRPGs, like yeah. yes, Fighting God is a very like JRPG, like Hallmark, like classic JRPG shit right there. Yeah. But the fact that you actually die yeah. is so cool mm -hmm. to me, and so just so interesting. And like, I just I can't stop thinking about it. I beat this game like three weeks ago, and I can't stop thinking about mm -hmm. it. And that's when I know like that was a good game. Yeah. And I will say, like, I thought about Persona 4 probably for a week or so afterward, probably, like, maybe a little shorter amount of time mm -hmm. than I thought about Persona 3. Persona 5, I barely thought about yeah. it after beating it. I would say Persona 5 is actually more forgettable. Mm -hmm. um, but 3 has, like, never left me. I think Not yet. part of what makes the ending of Persona 5 more forgettable, though, is that, like, there was never a scenario where your characters weren't going to make it out okay, you know? Like, it had... That's true. It Whereas with been, 3, it's like, we're gonna die. It had been building to this scenario where your character functionally bends the rules of both, like, the, the law, like, the very literal rules, and also, basically, the way the shadow persona realm works in order to cheat death. And that's like that's part of it because they're like gentlemen thieves. They're like they're like Lupin the Third. They're like these characters who who regularly cheat death and do cool heroic stuff. But they, it never felt like that in this game. It never felt like there was a scenario where, and you know, like playing uh, since it is a JRPG, I still kind of thought my character would make it out okay in the end. But when they didn't. It made sense. It it didn't have me kind of scratching my head like, well, what if they had done this, this, and this? Like it it made sense thematically that the character dies. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a good thing to point out is that in Persona Five, the closest you get to a consequence is like getting arrested one time. Yeah. <laughs> like there's you don't get into any like close scrapes as in like, holy shit, we almost died. Yeah. Like that never happens. 
Raise the percent of three. Like, one of your friends dies. Yeah. Your friends, uh, one of your party members dies. Junpei's girlfriend dies. Yeah. Someone else's mom's dies. You guys all get crucified that one time. <laughs> Two people's dads die. Yeah. Everyone's getting crucified. Yeah. You die. Like, it's just like, the stakes are high because death is real. And, like, death is never a thing that leaves your mind. It's, like, always in the back of your mind. And actually, in a lot of time, it's in the front. And that's that's just different. Another thing that kind of echoes the the way the gameplay interacts with the story in a way that I like. On one hand, I agree with you that I like in future games the way you kind of get more out of the social links with the characters. But on the other hand, yeah. I really liked in this game the way that the, the party members all got their evolved personas naturally throughout the story, rather than I did like that. I really like that because in in four Me and too. five. The only way to get your party members to get their evolved form personas is to max out their social links. But in this game, it feels like the characters have much more agency out of their interactions with you. Like, you know, in 4 and 5, it makes it, and I, I didn't feel, I don't know if I felt this way at the time, but in hindsight, it does sort of make the party members feel like they have less agency and they are, they're becoming fully formed human beings through their interactions with you. But instead, in 3, like the characters have moments of revelation alone or with other characters and like you know you get the opportunity to see yukari and mitsuru becoming friends and the opportunity for junpei and akihiko and these characters like really realize what has been a stumbling block for them personally and emotionally and overcome that and that's when they get their leveled up personas and i think in terms thematically if the persona is supposed to be like the Jungian persona, like the shadow self of you that you try to repress and try to hold back. I think it's more interesting if you get your you get your fully formed persona, you you surmount that by overcoming it personally rather than like eating at the Big Bang Burger fifty times, right? You know. The the other thing is like okay, the uh, the type of persona you confuse according to a person's arcana matters and it can inform whether or not you pursue a social link with someone it did for me mm -hmm. but without the additional like crazy battle benefits yeah. i feel like it makes seeking out social links at least with members of your own party more because you want to yeah like just you just you want to max out i guess just because you want to not because like well i heard she can revive everyone two times exactly. in the final yeah. boss by max route and i think that makes that bond with your party members like all the more special yeah yeah i wasn't maxing out so. junpei's social link because i i thought it would give him a higher rate of critical hits I, I was maxing it out because like i was i was genuinely interested in his character development so i think yeah that's a that's a feat to pull off not only in a game that has so many characters but just in a game full stop to, to pull off this many interesting likable characters and to jam them all into one ensemble like it's i think this game has a really strong ensemble cast even if yeah i don't know i think i think they might have said this on the into the aether persona bonus episode as well but like this group of kids would not be they're not as believable as like a fun friend group to hang out with you know they like yeah they're not persona 4 yeah they're not like the they're not scooby -Doo exactly cast. they're not bonding and becoming friends because yeah. of that they are all living in the same dorm because they can all summon demons and they are then forced to become trauma friends. Bonded. Exactly. They're trauma bonded yeah. because of that. They're, your Ken is not hanging out with the characters because he wants to be friends with them. 
he's hanging out because Ikutsuki and the people higher up realize that it's a liability to keep him not around your characters. And then your characters do bond and do become friends, but it's not like in 5 where like, oh, there's a ragtag group and they're, fr- they're good buddies now and they're all hanging out at the coffee shop together. It's like that takes a long time to get to that stage in this game. So they might not yeah. be your top pick to like, pick a friend group from a Persona game that you want to, like, get a cup of coffee with, but, like... No, these kids are pretty miserable, honestly. <laughs> so and sometimes they don't depressing. even like each other. Yeah. Like, Yukari and Mitsuru are so bitchy to each other. And then they're like, your dad died, my dad died. Like, real recognizes real. Yeah. Junpei repeatedly runs off from the party, endangering everybody, and everybody is just, like, so fed up with him, but they can't kick him out of the group because, you know, you can't you can't just say, like, all right, you know so much about the way death and this world work. Get out of here. Like, you're forced to stay together, and you're forced to remain on good terms with each other. Yeah, so. That's pretty much it, honestly. Yeah, we, we've talked for two hours about it. It's <laughs> I know. I have to ask you, I don't know how long it's been since you played 5 and 4, but if you had to rank them. I think... Like, mm, in terms of, like, best one, middle one, worst one, of 3, 4, and 5. It's really tough because I think, personally, and obviously, there's various levels of nostalgia and distance from these games that are clouding them. I still think I might put 4 first, but I would have to replay four to really decide that and i'm excited to be able to since golden is coming to the switch and everything but same but i think the the way you interact with the world and the characters in four really endeared me to this series in a way that i was like shocked it did so well and then i think three comes up as like a very 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 close second just because of how moved i was by this story and you know maybe distance will change that and putting five at number three in this list does not mean that I don't like five, because I think five is like a masterwork of style, of of beautiful UI design, of super stylish and interesting ways of good soundtrack. Amazing. I mean, all oh, these yeah. games, all three they of these games have, have great Yeah, we didn't really talk five, about that really. much. The game has an incredible soundtrack. Um, but five is a masterwork of taking RPG mechanics and sprucing them up in a way even just through like making the menus interesting to go through and making it interesting and palatable to people both who have played tons and tons of these types of games and people who've never played a JRPG before. And I think that's part of why 5 gained so much popularity even outside of people who are fans of this series. So yeah. I, I think it's at four three five right now, but there's varying degrees of, you know, like distance and nostalgia kind of clouding them. I actually feel that way too. Really? I think four three five is my order. But it's been about eight or nine years since I've played four, yeah, so I don't same. know. Same. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's definitely elements of this game that we didn't talk about that it, we could easily talk another hour about. We didn't talk about how good the soundtrack is. We didn't talk about a couple other things. But I think, as we said before we went into the spoilers, this is this is a really good game. And I'm really, really excited that it is... It is going to be available to a wider audience and more people are going to have the opportunity to play this because I think it's really special. Yeah, this is this is a special one. Anything else? Or should we close out here? I think I think we, I think we should close I out. I think we should close out. Um we're gonna forego our normal what have we been playing just because 
we've been spending a lot of time thinking about Persona Three, and I don't want to I don't want to undermine it by going forty five minutes into talking about other stuff. We'll be back next week with regularly scheduled gaming news and what we've been playing and all kinds of funny, more jokey stuff instead of talking about an incredibly heavy game about teenagers wanting to kill themselves. <laughs> but in the meantime, Tori, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. And listeners are missing out on the fact that we're chatting on Zoom so I can see that Tori is wearing a Persona 4 t-shirt while we, while we have I'm this discussion. wearing a Junez t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You can find me on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S, and the show on Twitter at press underscore start pod. You can also shoot us emails of what you're playing, which of the social links you like the most in Persona 3 at heypressstart at gmail.com. All of our music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at n-o-a-h-g-e-i-s-t dot bandcamp dot com. Our show art's by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And we'd really appreciate it if you left a rating or review on whatever podcast device or app you are using to listen to us on. So thanks a lot for listening. If you've listened, if you've discovered this by searching for Persona 3 on podcast stuff the way I search for video game names when I'm like just interested in a thing, I hope you listen to more. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. One of the guys in the bad guy team, the one who looks kind of like Jesus, every time he was on screen, I was like, Jared Leto. That's Jared Leto. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's actually another reason I didn't feel comfortable playing this game as a kid is I was like, how? Like, I grew up in a conservative Christian family. I cannot imagine, like, my dad coming in from work and watching me play a game where I shoot myself in the head and try to, like, defeat Jesus. (laughs) And, like, I was like, oh, this one, this one's not for a living room play. I got to play this one in my bedroom. Look, Dad, my strongest persona is Lucifer. (laughs) Yeah, Beelzebub.